Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week on Jordan Jesse Go, a freewheeling conversation with Paul Provenza about first dates and more. Let's go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Beautiful evening in Los Angeles. Cool, crisp air outside. Jesse, can I hijack the intro for a second? I know, I know. Well, usually the intro is my, it's my part of the show. Uh, would you mind just for this once? Well, just they, for this once, I have. I'm working. If you now. hijack the intro, nobody's going to know what the weather was like in Los Angeles a few days to a few weeks that, ago, depending on when they listen to the podcast. People look forward to that. And you got you did it. You got it out of the way. Can I? This, this is important. I didn't really even get it out of the this way. This is useful. What I just want to do, real quick. What if there's a tornado outside and people got to know? Do you want to do the weather thing? Good, do it. No, I don't want to do it anymore. Okay. Can, you, can we do my thing? It's, it's as useful as knowing what the weather is like in Los Angeles. I kind of want to let you go. Yeah? Just off yeah. the podcast? Yeah. Because I'm being insolent? Yeah, absolutely. For insolence. Yeah. Precisely. Let them eat cake. That's what I say. Yeah. I just need some insulin. Do whatever your fucking thing No, no. I, it involves you. It's a, it's a two-person thing. <laughs> okay. Just do it. Okay. Someone was asking is me. Is it who's on first? It is. The classic comedy routine. Fair enough. Uh, I was wondering why we were rehearsing that so much. You'll play Fatso, and I'll play the racist. It's classic comedy team, right? Sure, Fatso Fatso and the the racist. racist. Yeah. Um, Somebody was asking me. Morning radio. (laughs) Shut up, guest. Jordan's doing a bit. I have a thing. I'm going to hijack his hijack. Oh, Jesus Christ. Jordan, what's your thing? Um, Someone was recently asking me how to be... um, how to be compelling on a first date. Uh-huh. Uh, those first dates can be, you Just know, compelling is what they're looking for. Yeah, well, you know, you, wanna, you, w- you don't want to seem like a stick in the mud. You want to have something to talk about. You want to have interesting opinions. And there's that, like, first date chit-chat that just gets so, you know, you're just, you're, you're groping for something in common. You know, like, before, that's, the start of the date is always that kind of, like, what, you know, what's this person's point of view? What can we talk about together? Um so, Jesse, I don't know. This comes up a lot, I feel like. Just saying. Sure. Uh, what kinds of movies do you like? Yeah. Uh, just go ahead and ask me. I, let's let's okay, just roll Okay, we'll play. try this out. You're on the... Um, so, I'm the girl? Uh, this is a, the it's sex, a gay date. Sex it's a gay un- date. Gay date. Okay. Sex unimportant. Um, so, Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, I know that you work in television. Mm-hmm. W- what kind of uh, movies do you enjoy? Santa movies? <laughs> 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 I only watch movies. That's it. Uh, our guest this week, uh, Jordan Jesse Coho. You know him. He's a veteran stand-up comedian. He's the host of uh, The Green Room on Showtime. 
Um, you probably know him best as the host of Nickelodeon Kids Court. <laughs> Please welcome to the show, Mr. Paul Provenza. Uh, compelling. I don't know what Santa movies <laughs> Santa are. Santa movies. And, and then you go on to insist that you only watch movies where. <laughs> That exist in a universe where Santa is real. For instance, you don't watch Bad Santa, and it's not just Christmas movies. Like right. you can watch. It can't be about a guy playing Santa. No, no. The, in in the world of the movie, Santa has to be real. Right. He has to be Santa Claus right. versus the Martians. Yeah, that's that's a good. Well, that's that's a way to go on a first date. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, compelling to me is like a little. Date rape is compelling. So <laughs> that's just to give you a high end on yeah, the scale. I was just potato, gonna, potato. I was going to suggest like a really interesting open wound. Yeah. Like if you have like an unexplained gash. gash on your face, yeah. that's compelling. Because you're looking at it, you're thinking, how the fuck did this guy get this wound? Well, and also, why hasn't he explained to me why there's an open wound on his face? Well, I am compelled to ask. Yeah. Well, if there's that old saying, show her a gash, she'll show you some gash. <laughs> yeah, I know that old saying. Saying. That old chestnut <laughs> Santa uh, movie. I, 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 <laughs> I don't think. I think that we have been doing this show for like five years. I think that may be the hardest <laughs> I've laughed at anything that's happened on this show in that time. Well, it's certainly the dumbest <laughs> thing that's been said. <laughs> oh, I have something really dumb that I want to talk about for a second, and that is this. Wait a second. What about Miracle on 34th Street? Because you're that not counts. really sure if Santa's real in that. But at the end, he it is revealed that he's real. So, yes. This, I guess this it is, first yeah. date character okay. can watch Miracle on 34th Street. I got you. All right. Santa I'm just, I just want to so. prep for, for our date. <laughs> you go with the Santa movies, I'll go with the rape. <laughs> Fair enough. We're, we're a regular fatso in the races. That's, that's going to affect um, where we go on this day. We right. have to pick the right restaurant for yeah. this particular you have to pick, You have to pick a place that's rapey. Is that what you're saying? Rapey and Christmas-like. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, so you're both going on dates in the same place. No, with so you each can other. Keep up, yeah. Oh, with each other. Oh, right. Gay date. Gay I date. forgot about right. that it was yeah. a gay date. Um I, you know, uh, man, what does it take oh, for you I to remember a, things? I have a, I have on the subject. <laughs> What's of, your mnemonic for that? <laughs> on the subject of gay, laugh date, uncontrollably for ten minutes, <laughs> then it's then a gay date <laughs> reset. Um, on the subject of gay dates, uh, I am, uh, I'm, I'm two classes into. I'm taking a a pilot writing class. Yeah. Um, Listeners may remember I took a spec writing class a few months ago. Sure. This that's is a pilot writing class. A spec script is a script that you write uh, for a show that you don't work on. Sure. Uh, that you use as a sort of sample mm-hmm. for... Uh, Future hiring. Exactly. Um, anyway, so I'm... By uh, the way, there are 7 million Seinfeld specs uh, now that we have nothing to do with. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a, it's a major ecological problem here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. There's a, you there's know, a landfill filled yeah. with them. I actually I, read I, a really interesting... I think there's a building on the Universal lot that's actually just... <laughs> just a warehouse just stacks of George Seinfeld goes scripts. to the dentist. I read a great article uh, in Dwell about repurposing uh, unnecessary Seinfeld scripts. <laughs> they're transforming them into backyard dwellings. Mm. Um, they're great as, as home offices. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the transforming them into modern family scripts. Sure. <laughs> just with a few, just to add a little voiceover, yeah. add some direct address, and that Seinfeld script. Yeah. I That's guess why you they just, invented search and replace. I guess if you just add dick, then it's an always sunny in Philadelphia script. <laughs> the word go. dick. Well, you also need crack whore. Crack cocaine, crack whore. yeah. 
or the word though one and one shit per per <laughs> script. Um, anyway, so I I had this moment where I I didn't I'm you know like, oh it's a, you know everyone's a comedy writer so you know you cracking off is probably you know par for the course I imagine but it was it was the Wait, first day cracking off you know cracking off. Are you an Englishman in the <laughs> early 19th century? Yeah. I've not heard that expression. Yeah. You could say cracking off, right? Well, yeah, but... Cracking wise? It would probably... Cracking wise. wise would be a... Would no, mean you're that You're right. making a joke. Cracking off would mean that you're engaging in onanism. <laughs> right. While on crack cocaine. Self-pleasure. Well on on yeah. the set of It's Always, it's always sunny. sunny. in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so... Uh, but I had this moment where I didn't know... If I should crack wise at this particular moment, so everybody's going around the room and saying what the topic of their pilot's going to be, and there was a, a, a gay gentleman uh, in the class who says, uh, "I'm doing, I'm doing like a gay version of Green Acres." And the teacher said, "Well, do you not have a title yet?" And he's like, "I don't have a title yet." <laughs> and I wanted to say, "Well, I mean, obviously, you just call it Green Gaykers." <laughs> but then I'm like, "Is that will that brand me an awful homophobe for the rest of this? Right? For the rest you're, of the, you're these not seven weeks. You're not sure of the level of comedy freedom you have. Right? Yet. Right? Yeah. That's a, that's a tenuous situation. Should I have said Green Gaykers or I think you should have good? said uh, Green Gaykers, and then you could have you know followed it up with, "I'm pretty sure Tom Arnold is available." <laughs> <laughs> and that would have, I think, softened it all. It sure, would have, would have put it right back in the. <laughs> he is available too. I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, I think you're. You're always good saying that. Uh, I just learned that you, you've heard of the rap group, a tribe called Quest, Jordan. Sure, Paul, you, you've yes, heard of, of a course, tribe called yes. Quest. So, a tribe called Quest, I think, have a well, an earned reputation as a. I guess what you would call maybe a positive rap group or a, what they used to call a conscious rap group. A conscious, yeah. You yeah. know, like one of these things where, where they don't rap about murdering people and so forth. And they have a famous song on their great album, The Low End Theory, uh, that's famous for uh, the, uh, the couplet, industry rule number 4080, record company people are shady. Now, this is, uh, I think it's called Record Business or something like that, but you, you may know it as, as part of the theme from the public, ra- public radio program, The Business, yes. Jordan. So I just learned... The old I, business. I always wonder... CBA hosted it, right? Yeah, exactly. They have a new... They have, oh. a, they have a mashup now. Oh, God, I hate mashups. <laughs> um, they, uh, they, a tribe called Quest, uh, have this whole song about how you, know, you can't trust record executives. Because um, they'll just they'll just knife you in the back or whatever, and I always wondered what precipitated this song because this was only their uh, second album. Uh, their first album had done very well, and uh, I hadn't heard anything about there being big problems between the group and the record company. I learned today that the reason they made this song is they had previously made another song with the same beat, uh, featuring uh, another. Semi-positive hip-hop group Brand Nubian uh, And the whole song Is just about how much they hate gays <laughs> Just wow. The whole song Is about how much how, how Do you know Can you cite any specific lyrics? Um, Something if, that rhymes with shady um, <laughs> Yeah I really like I would ha- it, There are parts There are parts of the song Where it's, where it's sort of like being gay is wrong, but then there are other parts that are like, that guy's a faggot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there a are specific guy. There are parts where there are parts where it's um, the protagonist in the song. 
Yeah, right. He's an unreliable narrator. <laughs> but th- that is literally, I mean, it's not just, there are a lot of rap songs mm-hmm. where somebody calls somebody a faggot. Sure. And you just have to... Didn't the Beastie Boys have a famous, like, retroactive, we're sorry for all the times we said that? Yeah, probably thing? so. I sure. mean, the reality is that Common has also recently <laughs> sort of gone into the uh, sure. I'm sorry for that stuff uh, thing. And God bless those people. I think it takes a lot of. I think it takes a lot of guts to do that. But I think just in general, it, it's there's a lot of sort of there's a sort of general miasma of homophobia, but not a lot of focused homophobia sure. in hip hop. And as opposed to like dancehall reggae, where they're like, where that's like one of the big themes is lighting homosexuals on fire. I, I, I'm not sure what makes it specific homophobia. Well, it's not. Well, you know, there's a. I think there's a difference between yeah, like saying, fuck that faggot and uh, being fuck, gay is a choice. Yeah, <laughs> and they should go to they should go to jail or something like that, or we should kill them or something. There's one where it's oh, an insensitive, ignorant, and hateful slur, and, and it's one where, where it's, it's actually about. Right. Gayness. Right. Um, and, but there are very few songs in the world of hip hop that are really just about we hate gays. And I listened to this song. It's called Georgie. Is this, is this something that was like leaked and you had to like, or is this on yeah, like no, a, this is, is like this a on secret like a B-Sides song. album? No, this, no, it's not. It is not. Yeah, yeah. And but you found reason, it online somewhere. Yes, I found it online somewhere. My friend uh, Andrew Nas, who does the uh, great hip hop blog Cocaine Blunts, posted it on his website, and I had never—I mean, I've been a Tribe fan my since I was thirteen years old, but I had—I had no idea. And this song is horrible. Like it is horrible. And the reason they made industry rule number four thousand and eighty record company people are shady is because they were upset that the record company wouldn't let them put it on the album. <laughs> the record company was like, you guys, you guys, while you're wearing these dashikis and like Dayglo sneakers and stuff like that, maybe it's not a good image move for you to put an entire song on your album that's just about how much you hate homosexuals. Uh, well, see, this is how fate works, because it's, it turns out that what they ended up with by using record company is the one... Uh, subset of uh, the population that nobody has any problem with slandering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't think there's anyone out there. Nobody is coming to the defense of record executives. I don't think they have a record executive pride parade. Coming it would up be, although they still soon. won't like they still won't let record company executives get married in some states. So <laughs> it would be know. great if someone. You, know, you remember Robert Schimmel? Yeah, sure, Ray, sure. I remember he used to do a joke about the. Um, the uh, um, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms uh, was retiring their first set of cocaine-sniffing dogs. And uh, they were putting them up for adoption, and the ones that weren't adopted were going to go into the record industry. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear a song by a rap artist who has benefited significantly from their record company. Like, I was thinking maybe Fat Joe might be a good example uh, a guy who was a, a perfectly good sort of street rapper, but then inexplicably had a string of monstrous hits with ladies singing on the hook that clearly just somebody at his record company said, do some raps on this. It's already a hit. 
You know what I mean? Like, lay down some to, verses. As opposed to, like, uh, um, everybody that was in the stables on the East Coast and West Coast that were kind of the uh, usual suspects. These are the people that were going to push because they're the ones who were already big locally and stuff. Or? Yeah, well, though, Fat, Joe was, Fat Joe was an example of a guy who was a very credible... New York rapper, Puerto Rican guy. He used to be uh, he used to be tight with Big Pun. He was so, sort of in the underground world with the Digging in the Crates crew, DITC. This sounds but, a lot like dialogue from an old mafia movie, <laughs> actually. But then, but then had you, Jordan. You remember the Fat Joe songs like "What's Love"? I don't. No. Uh, no. Okay. Well, anyway, I would like to hear. <laughs> A, a rapper like that just make a song about how much he appreciates the help of his record company <laughs> and like his A&R guy, you know, yeah. like, thanks for finding me those great songs, sure. the great nice hooks. I didn't really have to do much to make that a hit. Actually, there's a rich, rich history of musicians slamming record companies in some of their best work. Um, Springsteen uh, does a thing about the record company, uh, the fat man with a cigar making you sign a yeah. contract on the hood of a car in a parking lot. I, I don't remember the exact <laughs> words. Um, uh, Zance Can't Dance, uh, the old, um, who was that? Was that Warren Zevin? I don't remember. Um, Prince had a solid four years of writing songs only, only about, about the record, the record company. <laughs> yeah. But like I mean, Prince like just releases his own album, albums out of Minneapolis now, doesn't he? Does, isn't Prince's money where his mouth is? Prince, is? Prince puts out his albums on weird, like every year, two years, he starts a new weird flash-based website. It's like, <laughs> it has like a picture of a flower spinning on the screen and just a Which, little place where you put in your credit card number. And, and if that, you that like, could actually be his new name, that flower spinning. I'm not really <laughs> yes, sure. I'm but um, uh, yeah, but he is he is doing his own stuff. But every you're right. Like every two years, though, there's some new technological or industry, uh, um, you know, nipping at the heels of the industry advance, and that's what he'll do now. Like I think, didn't he put out one which was um, um, "Pay What You Want"? He put out an album. And then he he, he put out an only album available online. It wasn't released anywhere else. He and, made a record about two years ago that was distributed exclusively through a newspaper right, in England. Right. Um, that, oh, I think I heard about. It. Okay, sure. that you could later buy. That you later got only if you went to one of his concerts, but you bought it with the con- like when you bought a concert ticket, you were buying one of his buying albums, album, yeah. and he became a number one selling album because he was doing thirty thousand, forty thousand person concerts, right. and if you do. Which, 20 of those, and every person is theoretically buying one of your sure CDs. That sure sounds genius to me. Um, <clears throat> oh, you know, kind of on this topic and kind of back at the... I know we're, we're going a little long for the intro, but I think sure. we're having fun. No, we're having fun. Oh, I thought um, this was the show. This is just the intro stuff? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. We got Paul Provenza here from Kids Court, so... But yeah, as, as, a, as a rock and roll fan, you know, I don't find myself having to do that much, uh, having to... You know, somebody say, isn't this person an awful person? I'm like, no, not really. Like, that's not something I've had to do much. But there was a, uh, there's a punk band called Screeching Weasel that was kind of popular in the, like, late 80s, early 90s, you know, kind of right. There, maybe heyday was a couple years before, like, the Green Day offspring thing. Um, and I never liked them, even at the height of my punk rock consumption in high school. Always thought they were one of those bands that was like more important than good. Like, oh, you just like them because they were first. Uh, you know, they wore like leather jackets like the Ramones, and the guy has this kind of awful nasal voice. And uh, Where's the first part? Huh? Where's the were first part? Uh, you know, they were like just around <laughs> kind of like, so if you're like, I like Green Day and Rancid, you're like, oh, I like Screeching Weasel. That's better. That's the punk rock like- guy giving you shit for... 
Gotcha. I always thought that's where the only reason people talked about them, not because of their quality, which I always thought was really low. Um, and I saw them, uh, I was at South by Southwest this year, and um, they were playing, and, and my buddy I was with was a huge fan of theirs, so I'm like, no, nah, I'll go. It's, it'll be, you know, it'll be fun. It's a little piece of punk rock history, and we'll be drunk, so it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so... That's your solution to everything, Jordan. <laughs> right. I'll be drunk, so it'll be I think you may fun. have a problem. <laughs> no, drinking makes things fun that aren't normally fun. Jesse, I, that's not a problem. That's, okay. not a, that's not a problematic worldview. <laughs> um, and um, so they... Uh, so they start to play, and this guy, the guy, the leader, Ben Weasel, is kind of famously... <laughs> Uh, kind of a famous, famous dick. Like you know, every the band's been twenty different people, but he stays in and he fires people, and you know, and they haven't made an album for like fifteen years. Like this is their comeback. They apparently made this new album, and this is like one of the first shows they're playing. You know, fifteen years, and he's being an asshole through the entire set. He's saying how much he hates being there. He hates South by Southwest. He hates the hipsters. He's like, we're only getting 5,000 bucks for this gig. And like, just complaining about how much they're getting paid, just being generally awful. Uh, and then, uh, maybe halfway through the show, he's been shouting at a fan this whole time. And he, <laughs> a, he jumps into the crowd and punches the fan in the face, who is a woman. Ah! So, you wow. know, so, I mean, it was now crazy. That's, that's compelling. Yes, right? I know. And they drag him off stage, and then this, you know, the thing explodes a little bit. You know, it was, <laughs> you know, at South by Southwest, why would you write about a 30-year-old punk band other than he punched a woman? So the story becomes, like, grungy old punk rock guy assaults woman at South by Southwest. Holy shit. Uh I'm on the mailing list for their record company, so a couple weeks later I get their album in the mail, their comeback album, uh, and I'm like, well, I guess I was there for this whole punch-in-the-face thing, I've never <laughs> liked them, I bet this is as shitty as their other albums in high school that I never liked. It is fucking fantastic. It is such a good album. It is like as good a punk album as you will hear. It's like every song is terrific, it's so well like put together, his awful nasal voice has been toned down. The harmonies are beautiful. There's a little organ, like, right where it needs to be. It is so good. It's called First World Manifesto, and I'm having such a hard time recommending it to people because all anyone knows about this guy, it's like, oh, he's that woman puncher from South by Southwest. <laughs> oh, so God. I'm having a hard time talking about as, it. As hooks go, that's not terrible. Yeah, right? I mean, I get, on the one hand, I'm thinking, you know, the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, you just, can't, you just have to cut it off. Right. You just have to line in the sand. But then I realized, you know, I like rap music. Sure. Who are a few of my favorite rappers? Beanie Siegel, Roscoe P. Cold Chain. Some murderers. What, what, what do they have in common? <laughs> well, they went to jail for shooting people. Right, yeah. Like, I these guys we... both literally were convicted of shooting people in front of other people. Yeah, yeah. and it also means that you, you, also, you can't listen to Wagner either, you know? Yeah. So what did Wagner do? Uh, oh, he, he was, was a Nazi sympathizer. Big on the, uh, oh, okay. big on the uh, oh, yes. The hatred eugenics. Of, hatred maybe of the I, Jews. Maybe thing. I knew that. Uh, but, um, Apart from that, but, but you know what? You know what? This is, uh, this is interesting, and... and um, uh, Penn Gillette actually uh, professes this all the time and uh, I've picked it up and it's a really useful thing. It's basically just trust the art, not the artist. The yeah. art has nothing to do with that. So in other words, I can find Penn Gillette funny despite his insistent and profoundly annoying libertarianism. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, but I guess I guess the issue is also like yeah, I mean I absolutely see that, and that's you know. It's the art, not the artist. But I guess in I have a hard time recommending it to people because do we give the woman puncher money? Well, oh, like, does yeah. he deserve money? He's going to need it to pay off the legal right the battle. legal bill. So I think you really, you really, if you stop and think about it, it's kind of, you're just shuffling money into her lawyer's pocket. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe I guess so. Yeah, the the two which is bucks uh, which is another much. questionable moral course right yeah. there. But and I think probably how close you are to it. Play, plays into it as well. Like you were at this concert. Yeah. If you were, if you knew the lady that got punched, that would change things. Sure. Like, what about that punk rock guy that came our, over to our house and started saying weird Nazi stuff? Oh yeah, um, Dwayne Peters. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, he's probably punched. He's <laughs> yeah. Maybe got some Nazi leanings. None that I know. None that I was there you, you for. Ho- you hope he just punched. Yeah, right. But I was just, I, you my, know, uh, my aunt was. Uh, she was. Uh, I guess she was probably close to seventy at the time. No, she was probably in her sixties when the book came out. But she was uh, from. She was a Frank Sinatra Bobby Soxer. Yeah. Uh, she was a, a teenage girl who swooned over him at the Paramount Theater. You know, and uh, was an absolute devoted Sinatra fan her entire life. And then she read the biography. I think it was Kitty Kelly's. Yeah, the yeah. the, the tell all. Right, and uh, and I came over to visit her, and uh, all the Sinatra pictures were taken down. And I said, <laughs> what, happened to, what happened to Sinatra? She goes, I'm not. I I, I can't listen. To, I can't. I can't be anymore. I go, what is it? She goes, I oh, I can't believe he ate eggs off a hooker's chest. <laughs> <laughs> And Wait, thought, that's a reason to hang up more pictures yeah, of him. You said, well, can I get the pictures? Yeah. Because there's some room on my wall. That was where I was going with that. Was This is all very subjective. <laughs> sure. But it's interesting, like, what amount of... I mean, like, like Charlie Sheen. I'm sorry. Yeah, I no, sure. Charlie Sheen is now interesting to me. Like, oh. I couldn't have been interested in him at all before. But now, whether this is a meltdown... You weren't a two-and-a-half-men fan. Whether Paul. it's real, true... Paul, Genuinely, I think we both whatever. know I am that you, so I, I'm watching everything with Charlie. You Sheen. were vice president of the International Two and a Half Men fan club. <laughs> I actually, you have. When I'm they, looking when, at when you they, right uh, now. You're wearing a sleeveless shirt, and I can see your Hot Shots Part Two <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> when uh, when he was getting uh, when they announced that he was getting what was it two million an episode for that? Or something? Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. I just tweeted, "Wow, that's like four million dollars a laugh." <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's interesting how much you like the relationship between you relating directly to an artist yeah. and you caring about their music. I mean, I was I was just thinking to this as I was driving to buy tacos for my dinner, and I was listening to probably my favorite rapper in the world, Devin the Dude. And I think listeners to Jordan Jesse go know that I have a very straight laced lifestyle. You know what I mean? I don't I don't drink or fuck hoes or any of these things and Devin the dude has uh has a line in in this song that i was listening to just as i pulled into the garage that goes um uh i smoke weed i drink brew that's all i rap about because shit that's all i do (laughs) and there's something on the one hand like uh, me and bitches i have no relationship with bitches um I've been I've been I'm married to my high school sweetheart. I I don't drink or smoke weed. But there's something about his winning attitude 
that I really relate to. He's so sweet about the fact that all he cares about in the world is getting his dick sucked, getting high and drinking. Like, we he has such a sweet, he has such a charm to him. It seems authentic. It's very authentic yeah. and very, very friendly. And uh, almost self-deprecating as well. Well, that's very in the reggae mold. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jesse, you can just use those as a metaphor. Like, just think about, like, to him, you know, the greatest thing is, you know, smoking a blunt and getting a blowjob. Sure. Just just imagine to you that blunt is uh, going antiquing. Sure. (laughs) Absolutely. or, or or a Santa movie, <laughs> <laughs> or a, Santa, a nice Santa movie, and like finding a nice, a good ice cream that doesn't have any chocolate in it. Sure, and a, watching the road a show, pralines and cream, maybe. This 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 raises an interesting question to me. <laughs> yeah, now you clearly are very well versed and and. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Educated in rap, you've listened yeah, to sure. a lot, and it sure. speaks to you in some Since way. My you respond to yeah. it. You respond to it. Now, uh, I get that you can respond to something. It's, the beat gets you. The everything. Sure. You know, music. You're just responding to sure. music. Okay, but but I, I don't think it's possible to really listen to rap without rap and the, the music and the lyrics and rap. They all sort of work together to me. It seems like one great entity, as opposed to like you know, you could listen to. A Beatles song without hearing the lyrics, and you can enjoy the right, song. Right, sure. The lyrics don't matter. Sure. Your enjoyment, but uh, it seems to me inseparable in, uh-huh. in in the kind of rap that I think you like, which is sure. legi- like really well wrought, yeah, sure. well crafted, sure. artful rap. That's true. So, where, what's your connection to it? Because you are the antithesis. Is it just vicarious? Well, I am. For you? No, well, for one thing, I mean, uh, I, I feel like I get hate emails any, every time I say this, but I am actually from the hood. In where would that hood be? Uh, Connecticut? No, this would be the mission district. <laughs> they had some of, pretty tough regattas where Jesse grew up. Some very tough regattas. This would be the mission district of the mission district of San Francisco, uh, the the inner city. It's more of a. It, and, and how how are how are you not at all expressing? Uh, well, that? I'm a white guy. I mean, the thing is, is when you grow up in a neighborhood like that, you're not you're, just a white guy. I'm yeah yeah no I yeah sure I mean I'm a I'm a white guy who wears neckties as a hobby, um, but I think what it is at the core of it is this Paul it's that if you're the white guy in the neighborhood that I grew up in at the time that I grew up in it's a it's a different it's been gentrified substantially uh, since then but during the you know if you're, you're a white guy in a neighborhood where when you're ten years old somebody tries to sell you crack um, I think there are two choices. You can try and be down, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can try and, you know, you can get your hair cut in a Caesar and, you know, sag your pants and try and fit in. Or you can just be like, faggot over here, nothing to see. <laughs> right. Don't right. bother the faggot, no right. need. Right. You just <laughs> no reason to, and... yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cracker, hello, friendly cracker, just passing through. I got that. So you went the other way. Yeah, you, exactly. You, you, uh, okay, but but where is your emotional connection, or is it just intellectual? Uh, no, it's with, a with I, it's the kind of music I like. I mean, I think that my I think my parents, you know, like if you were going to say, if you asked my if you called my mom up right now and you said what's the best concert you ever went to, she would probably say the P Funk Earth Tour in Washington D.C. in nineteen seventy two. And if you ever asked my dad, you know, who's your favorite musical artist of all time, he would say James Brown. And neither one of them would be 
I mean, that's just what was going on in my house as a kid. And yeah, I yeah, think no, no, if I that's what you're, that. if that's what how your aesthetics are formed, right. The contemporary, the contemporary version of those aesthetics is rap music. Right. Right. Um, it's sort of like I, I think it's sort of like if your if your parents love the Beatles and listen to the Beatles all the time when you were a kid, uh, then you could grow up to like indie rock music, you know, poppy mm-hmm. indie rock music or something. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a continuum. Yeah. So is your connection to it just that it's sort it's what you know? You're steeped in it, so you you it. it it connects with you in that way musically because I have a lot of problem separating the ideas from the music. It's hard for me to listen to a lot of, not that I have anything against it. Right. Just, I I feel the same way about country Western, you know, uh, um, for different reasons, but you know, there's some music speaks to you. Some doesn't, some you like, some you don't. Um, but I feel like, I, I feel like for some reason, and this could be totally, this, this may say more than even the question I'm asking, but for some reason I feel guilty about the fact that I can't connect with rap music. Well, you know, I feel, I, I feel bad sometimes about how little I connect with rock music. I mean, I'm like, sometimes I'm listening to a rock and roll song, and I'm just like, wah, 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 cymbal crash, cymbal crash, cymbal crash. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I feel that too. So maybe it's just a lot of music in general that I feel that way about. I need to, I need maybe to we're just this. hateful Thanks, people. <laughs> Do you think it's, that's possible? Uh, we may just be unnecessarily misanthropic. No, nah, it's also, it's, a, it, it's an age thing. I mean, you know, there's only so much RAM I have for pop culture. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just, seriously, I, 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 I'm disconnected from a, a vast amount. If Beyonce the hard drive and, and filled Brianna up. Brianna walked in here right now. A, I wouldn't know that they were anybody, and I wouldn't know which was which. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. I just don't. It's. I, I found it. Uh, well, you'd be too concerned about your boner. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, there's two incredibly fuckable women. <laughs> there's holy Christ, is what you would say. <laughs> <laughs> How did these two unbelievably beautiful women get I mean, in that, here? That's true. I'd probably be stunned by the fact that they were showing up at your house. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Did I mention, I'll, by the I'll, way, I'll that I'll take I'm... some of your coconut water, Rihanna, you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, this is all too serious. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And Paul Provenza, unfortunate victim. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a horrible po- podcasting accident in Mount yep. Washington, Los Angeles. Yeah, there's a rash of them lately. Um, hey, Jordan, you know how I'm, I want to run something by you, and sure. I, I'll run this by you as well, Paul. I mean, you have, you have experience as a judge, so... Um, you should be good at this. <laughs> you love the kids' court thing. You I love, love it. it. Well, because you I love it. Paul, I'm in the I'm in the th- I'm in think, the novelty you court. You think it's a little needle to me? No, I think I, it's, I love it. No, I you have to understand. It. You know, the older I, I get, the more crazy awesome. stuff I've done in my career. No, I the more I'm becoming just eccentric, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> I wish I wish I had a credit as great as having hosted kids' court on Nickelodeon. Like that is like the coolest credit you could ever have. <laughs> Fucking Jordan was in all about steve sure i don't have anything i've never been any in anything i'm just gonna that, coast on that for that a while. i could just think about and and be amused and delighted you, by. if i were your manager yeah i would get you a cameo in a, a hip-hop rap video yes immediately yes i would have you be the record executive in the video oh yeah yes exactly yeah Exactly. I, I play the record executive. Exactly. Or like um, Chris Hardwick, 
our, our friend Chris Hardwick, sure. he was on a Little Brother album as like a, a morning radio host or something like that in the interstitial skits. That's give me that. How about uh, Andrew Dice Clay? No nerdcore. Sampled in IMF. <laughs> if any of you out there want me to be on your nerdcore nerdcore album, no, I'm talking about actual rap albums. I just okay, want to sorry. have a career that can be described. Well, then you better as... move to a neighborhood with more black people. In but it. Paul, we are we are both we're both uh, you are a veteran of the. Uh, novelty judge business as as a bail as the bailiff on the judge john hodgman podcast i feel like i i could i really have a lot to learn from you as a man who brought it all the way to cable television um showbiz jurisprudence yeah i mean you had you had um, i just want to say i i was pre judge judy oh excellent but post wapner Post Wapner. Post Wapner. Everything's post Wapner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was uh, when the clock turned over to just like PW. Yeah, the that's year, right, that's we're right. living in the year that's 30 right. PW right uh, now. Um, Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, they're all just post Wally George. Sure. No, sure. Sure. I, um, uh, I actually I have something that I want to run by both of you guys. Mm-hmm. We got off track there for a second. This is a real thing. I have this baby. Um, he's now... I'm sorry, I thought you were writing a song. <laughs> no. I, have this, I have this child. He's like seven weeks old now. Um, beautiful son. And I want to have a name for the process of raising him, mm-hmm. um, just so I can refer to it conveniently on the show or whatever. And I'm thinking about, and I want to know your opinion on this, Operation Super Soldier. Because he was born the same year the Captain America movie came out. Oh, or just because I'm tr- maybe I'm turning him into a super soldier. Who's yeah. to say that I'm not? Sure. I don't like that. It has violent and militaristic overtones. It okay. saddens me for a seven week old. What about hanging with Mister Pooper? <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> That's not bad. I think you can. I think you can actually get a deal. I think FX will pick that one up. Uh, that's not bad, Jordan. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I like that... to go the high tech way. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm engineering Simon. Yeah. I'm, engi- I'm, I'm, uh, I, what, what, I'm, I'm going to build what, him. I'm going to raise him better, stronger, faster. Yeah, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like just... that video where Dr. Dre introduced Fifty Cent. Mm. You could just go with Master Race. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's already spoken for. <laughs> Um, V2 Jordan was that last week or the week before that you just read things off of a list and then that was most of our show yeah you know I'd like to go back to that well uh, it's it's weird because I feel like I have a lot of things I would like to talk about on the show but I'm not sure how I would introduce them and I want to give us options if for some reason one of these stories isn't fruitful just to like I just to have something else to go back to sure Um, so I'll start like I did last week I have kind of a note I took kind of a I've titled these instances in my iphone and then you guys well i guess paul if we're going by last week paul just since you're the guest you'll get to pick which one we talk about first oh okay i'm glad i'm glad that you have something jordan because i spent the last week at a public radio conference so all of my anecdotes are jean gameshi related (laughs) so you're just dead behind the eyes yeah Yeah. england the world's favorite english persian canadian radio talk host um so paul would you like to hear first about crosswalk or box truck Ooh. Um, I think I'm going to go with Crosswalk. Okay. For 50. <laughs> so I've got, uh, there's a new uh, bar on my corner called uh, the Surly Goat. And it's nice, Paul, for, for you, I live in West Hollywood. Uh, so it's nice to have a non gay bar. 
Not sure. that I am above having a drink in a gay bar, but uh, it's you'll nice. drink anywhere. Sure, it makes as things fun as we've established. <laughs> yeah, do you find I have drinking. A problem. In, do you find drinking gay bars uncomfortable? Because well, uh, you're, here, uh, I don't know. You're a smooth, hairless young boy. Yeah, right. Well, no, the the, the the gay men in my neighborhood don't pay a lot of attention to me. I don't get a lot of cat calls. I wish I did. You yeah, feel great. I know it's really you feel a little at night. Yeah, kind of like what women must feel when they don't get whistled at. I know yeah. it's like, come on, my yeah. ass is hanging out, guys. What a fresh meat. To, is that why you've I been dressing to... so slutty lately, Jordan? Yeah, I'm just trying to uh, trying to t- check. So the surly goat. Uh, so it's nice. So I have a so I have a good bar within walking distance, and they also have a Street Fighter Two Championship <laughs> Edition machine. <laughs> okay, it is good. great. So that's all the important things that you need yeah. in a place to drink. Sure. You've got walking distance, mm-hmm. so you can get drunk. You don't have to drive back home. Yep. And, and heterosexuals. You've, well, <laughs> heterosexuals. And an arcade game, so you don't have to interface with other people. Exactly. Yes. It's <laughs> all going according to plan. If for some reason I was, to, just, just to make sure I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't somehow broker going to a heterosexual bar into having heterosexual sex. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not equipped for that. Uh, I just right. Um, anyway, so I am. I'm walking back, um, and I am. I get in the crosswalk with uh, this woman who I I would best describe her as uh, maybe a two line character on Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. Uh, she's wearing like a filthy poncho sweatshirt. She's either a 16 year old runaway or a 50-year-old mother of three, but nothing in between. Uh, She's visibly dirty, has dirt on her, and she's kind of shambling in the crosswalk. And then, uh, true to form, she she asked me, she's like, hey, do you smoke meth? I said, nope. And then we kept walking. She's like, hey, you know where I could buy some meth? And I said, ah, no, sorry, I'm more of a pot guy. And then she's like, yeah, I smoked pot the other day. It was a bad trip. (laughs) (laughs) With, like, this shitty judgmental tone in her voice. Like, really? Take a look at your life. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it was a bad trip because you were on meth. (laughs) <laughs> while you smoked while pot you smoked pot you know when you said uh, she said do you know where I get any meth I just uh, I just could would not have been able to resist going you know I was just going to ask you this <laughs> right your pockets are filled with it right now <laughs> it's possible that she got too high and hallucinated that her teeth were falling out right or maybe you need to look at you yeah well yeah because if crackheads are asking you where they can find crack <laughs> Yeah, I don't know exactly what that says. Were you I, just? I, I think it's noteworthy. Were you just walking down the street in like some Vans you got for free mm-hmm. and a Surfs Up T-shirt that sure. you got at the premiere of Surfs Up? <laughs> yep. And those uh, walk hard bo- boxer shorts that I you was, like I to was wear. Wearing only promotional materials from movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. I, I think that may have been the problem. Yeah, it was I look like I had been like dumpster diving or. Yeah, I got all these second. She thought I, I you were like, a kindred spirit. This is a funny thing about uh, about living in LA is like when you go to a to a rough neighborhood, um, all of the kind of um, all of the uh, lower class Hispanic kids all have cr- are wearing crew gifts from movies. Oh, that's really <laughs> like the kids funny. all have like Con Air t shirts. That's really fun. When you go to the thrift store in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, a solid twenty percent of the clothing on the rack is crew gifts from weird things. Sure. I ran into... Uh, I actually... We just had Josh Molina from uh, The West Wing and previous to that sports mm-hmm. night, of a favorite show of both mine and Jordan, uh, on the program. And um, I ran into a sports night 
baseball jacket the other day. Yeah, I feel like a chump for not buying it, probably, huh? Well, I mean, I looked at it, and I thought, Sports Night, that's one of my favorite shows. I loved that show, you know? Like, I watched that every week when it was on when I was in high school. I should really buy this. And then I was, I was trying to think of any context besides the set of Sports Night where it's appropriate to wear a Sports Night baseball jacket. Paul, you're wearing a crew gift now, aren't you? Uh, as a matter of fact, I am, yeah. Uh, my politically incorrect t-shirt. I tend to say, like, particularly baseball caps, I tend to save only the ones of shows that nobody would even know existed. <laughs> like, I've got a King and Ivory Wayne's talk show. <laughs> you know. I've got That's like awesome. A, yeah. You've got, got Vibe the TV show. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah, mostly yeah. sort of shows that were conceived as a replacement yeah, for Arsenio. Or, or, just, or just TV shows that were so short-lived that nobody even remembers they existed. Those are the kinds of things. That what I, basketball Needless play, to say, there a Magic I've Johnson got... Johnson talk show Magic Johnson, I think, may have Which hosted I was, Vibe. Which I was asked to co-host, actually. Really? Yeah. What? Did you have a lot yeah. of chemistry with Magic Johnson? As a matter of fact, I did. Wow. Um, this is kind of an interesting sure. uh, random story. But um, I did a, a sitcom uh, called The Pursuit of Happiness. Mm -hmm. And uh, the premise of it was uh, I was a young, idealistic uh, history professor. Mm -hmm. And, and with, with all the ideals of teaching you know, the values and the philosophy of history and government and American history. And that. It was like and a TV a, version of Dangerous Minds. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's where, that's where the song Gangsta's Paradise comes from. Oh, uh, no. Okay. It's not at all like that. Anyway, so, um, it, and it was taking place at what was ostensibly the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. which is where I actually went to school. In fact, some of the exteriors were shot there and everything. It was just a total coincidence. Anyhow, so I was playing this character, and, and, and um, the characters, this sort of like high concept of the thing was uh, his two heroes are uh, Thomas Jefferson and Magic Johnson. So, um, because of their height, um, no, but that came that turned out to be an advantage. But uh, so, uh, uh no. especially for Magic Johnson, Tom, yeah. Thomas Jefferson. Do you think Thomas the, Jefferson the could dunk teacher, on Magic Johnson? <laughs> well, the, you're getting ahead of me here. Oh, sorry. So uh, uh, the history teacher thing, and then the fact that he's just a big um, Lakers fan, and uh, um, and they would be my fantasies that would come. That they would, I would talk to them, and they would come to life, and and I would work out all my problems with them. And um, uh, we got a terrific actor named Kevin Scannell to play Thomas Jefferson and Magic Johnson to play Magic Johnson. So was the premise in this world, was Magic Johnson dead? Why could he, why could he come to you in ghost form? It, was, it wasn't a ghost. It was, he, okay. it was my magic. I was, I was incarnating was, them Jordan, to have conversation with them. If I could put this in terms you would understand, it was sort of Herman's head life. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, have you not seen television? This is a combination of you know, Herman's head and Drexel's I, class. I feel like also, I have to explain the genesis of television to well, for somebody not to understand that <laughs> right. i should also mention by the way that lisa simpson was also inside this fantasy sequence sure Herman's um yardley smith yeah. anyway yardley so smith. so so magic johnson was uh basically a series regular on the thing or some wow. regular something like eight and out every, of 12 every episode he would they would make an appearance like that was a conceit pretty much of the it show. wasn't it, it, it wasn't every but it was okay. it predominantly like maybe eight out of 12 episodes or something okay. like that only went one season so um uh, Magic Johnson was and it was the height of his his fame sure. uh, and, and L.A. glory, and um, uh, he had no acting chops or experience whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, uh, but we hit it off, and he would like you know he would like turn to me for because because oh, yeah, I'm sure. a, I'm I'm a fun guy and sure. and I also and he knew you from kids court. I, well, here's the thing though is that I'm not a sports fan, so I didn't care at all. 
that I'm the only person that never asked him for something or wasn't fawning over him or didn't bring the kids to get autographs. I, I was just a guy hanging out. I had nothing to do with him being a sports figure at all. I mean, I knew, you know, obviously I knew this was, this was a cool thing and all, but I didn't care. And um, uh, so, so we b- became really, really close, and I would make him laugh, and, and the director would give, give him notes, and he'd turn to me and he'd go, does that mean he want the words closer together or further apart? <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. It was just, it was just really great. And I was kind of like, like, like just coaching sure. through it and throwing jokes at him and stuff like that. And the, the show got kind of funny. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even control my own fantasies, and like I'd come home one day, and, and a, ha- a handful of the Lakers would be playing – Nerf basketball with a handful of founding fathers, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It sounds like the greatest nice. TV show in history. Uh, yeah, you know, it sounds good on paper. No, it actually was. There was some funny stuff in it, but then it is a long whole whole thing there. But um, uh, anyway, so yeah, so you know, we became uh, friendly, and uh, he came to see me do stand up a couple of times, and then uh, it was a really funny story too. He, he said to me, he says, "If you ever, you know, gives me his, his card, he goes, this is my personal number. If you ever want to sit on the floor, just call me.' Wow, with and, Jack, um, huh? uh, and you know." Just didn't, I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, but meanwhile, I, I remember once getting on a plane, and he was sitting in first class, and I had to go through first to get into, go into the <laughs> cattle steerage. And um, the comedian so I'm chatting area. with him. Yeah, yeah right, right. Back to where you can be. Well, back to where you serve the drinks. He was in flight. first class, and I was on my way to Chuckles yeah. in Tempe. Uh, so, um, but uh, so I'm chatting with him, and I'm holding up the line, so they make me go into coach. And then when I when, after the plane takes off and the light goes off, I go to chat with him again in first and they wouldn't let me go forward so he came out of first class and sat with me and coached the whole flight <laughs> oh wow and everybody on the plane was like who are you that <laughs> it was really great fun so anyway so when he when this TV this talk show thing came around um, he called me and he said do you want to do it and I went back and forth on it a few times and uh, I just I just kind of knew that wasn't worth canceling a flight for <laughs> <laughs> Uh, By the way, I've got a hundred stories of like missed calls and like opportunities that were like right taking me to another like stratosphere and then take a sharp left off a cliff, you know, like so like many the t- of them. Like the time I found the sports night jacket and I d- didn't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I could, have, I could be wearing a sports night jacket right now. When Josh Molina came over the other day, well, see, I could have been wearing a sports night jacket. Right. But here's the cool thing. You said like, where do I wear that? But that's the cool thing is that when you wear stuff like that, People gravitate to you, and it's always really interesting things. I I was wearing your Sound of Young America T-shirt. That yeah. got me more potential sexual Snatch. activity. Trim? Than, um, yeah. I, <laughs> I, didn't know. I forgot. Were we on the radio or on the internet? Yes. I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just draws people to you. That's why you have to be careful what you wear. People just randomly wear things a lot of people, Nike or whatever. A, a lot of people don't know that about Sound of Young America T-shirts, by the way. Yeah, they're pussy magnets. Yeah. <laughs> And dick magnets, if that's your thing. Sure. Yeah, I mean, they're great with dick. Mm -hmm. I mean, really good with dick. They also complement a nice butthole. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Whatever you're looking for, (laughs) F in the AP. Yeah. For home, car, or office. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And I'm Paul Provenza, just watching. Um, hey, guess what, Jordan? Hmm. We're sponsored once again by Fuelly.com. That's great. I love to hear that. F-U-E-L-L-Y.com. A great website for tracking the fuel economies of your motor vehicles. 
Do you think that people really believe us that this is an actual website? They should, because it's great. Yeah, I kind of think that this sounds like we we might be making it up. Mm-hmm. It sounds like an like a Middle Eastern plush toy. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they sell Middle Eastern plush toys as well. Um, it's Fuely the Cartel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Fuely.com, <laughs> it's a website where you track the fuel economy of your car. You can compare it to the fuel economy of other people who have the same car as you, or you can... Track it over time to see if your you know patterns of driving have changed. Affected Jesse, it. How does that work? How does it track your your fuel economy? You use the internet, Paul. How does that at work? Fuelly. How does it know what's, how does it know what's going on in your car? You type numbers in using your telephone. Oh, I got you. Yeah, this is it. Uses it's a telephone based system. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I don't know if you're familiar with telephones. It's one of these things where you pick up the phone, you say Pennsylvania six five thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a smartphone, but it's a party line. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, we also have up, uh, something up on the Jumbotron here. Just yeah. so you know, Paul, we have a sort of Jumbotron-style advertising system where you can give us a couple hundred bucks and we will plug your thing, just like the Jumbotron at the... Uh, if, let's, say, let's say you had courtside seats for the Lakers, for okay. example. <laughs> you might see something up on the Jumbotron. Uh, it is Tonks this week. Tonks, T-O-N-X. We actually got some Tonks in the mail. Mm. Tonks, it's like... Um, it, it's for people who either don't have access to super, super good coffee uh, because they don't live in, you know, your Chicago, Los Angeles, Portland, Brooklyn kind of... Needy people. um, Or uh, just people who are too lazy to go get their beans every so often. It is like a subscription by mail to super, super fancy, fresh-roasted coffee beans like the fruit of the month club for coffee beans mm-hmm. yeah exactly and it is run by uh one of the the one of the founders is a former roaster at uh uh this is not in the thing i just know this because they sent us some of them at a at a coffee company here in los angeles that i will uh refer to it, say just say that it rhymes with gintelligentsia <laughs> Um, but anyway, they're really they're they're like world class primo, super fancy. My wife is uh, my wife is a coffee fanatic, like, and she she was a barista for a while, and will get really angry if somebody if the coffee's not exactly perfect. Um, like she goes uh, like across town to special places. When we're in San Francisco, she goes to a special place to get a special kind of coffee. Has she enjoyed the coffee that's um, incubated inside like a civet's gut oh. or something? <laughs> oh, that, like a, that a weird ground rat poops out? Right, right. I don't know if she's gotten that far, but she's, she has, she's consumed her fair share of uh, Kona coffee. Uh, she's very serious about it, and she really liked this uh, Tonks coffee. That sounds like a great idea. There's nothing worse than running out of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were even recently uh, on Boing Boing with our uh, pal Shenny, Pastor and Jesse Go guest uh, Shenny and uh, Mark Fraunfeld, or all the good folks at Boing Boing. So Tonks.org, T-O-N-X.org, and go to Tonks.org slash JJ Go so they know where you're coming from. Tonks.org slash JJ Go. And I'm if you want to get down. up, very good. He and is. He's Paul Provence, literally writing it on his hand so we can remember. Um, if you want to get up on the Jumbotron, go to maximumfund.org slash Jumbotron. It's cheap. We can keep it cheap for the people, Jordan. Cheap enough keep that you can reasonable. do whatever you want. It's 100 bucks for a personal message, 200 bucks for a commercial message. By the way, um, last week on the Jumbotron, it's possible that our guest, Rob Hubel, repeatedly called a lady a slut. Mm-hmm. 
It's possible that that happened. It may or may not have happened. That may have happened. Did and he punch her? Because the bar is very high <laughs> yeah. this week. <laughs> we're, we're a chick positive show. I just want to convey that Rob Hubel lives inside of a special character. <laughs> and the character is distinguished by having horrible, horrible opinions about everything and saying horrible things. Um, and so I just want to convey that, look, the reality is that certainly when you, when you get up on the Jumbotron, we will josh around. We will do some of our signature we'll joshing. Cr- we'll crack off. <laughs> There's some cracking off. <laughs> um, but if that was a little bit too much, I just want, I want to apologize. I, I think it was, I think it was clear that it was in character and ridiculous, but still, probably a bit much. Right? Sure. Okay, so or sorry maybe he about meant that. It. Maybe he meant it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he is kind of a slut fucker. <laughs> he knows him when he sees him. Uh, we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Paul Provenza. Really, um, you can, you, not you can sure. Reuse it. You can not reuse sure. It. You can just go no, back. I'm, just, I'm really not okay, sure. No, about what fine. about Judge Paul Provenza? <laughs> I watched some of it because I didn't remember. When, I w- when you were on The Sound of Young America, Paul, I was looking. I had just said something maybe on Twitter like Paul Provenza's coming in because I had been watching The Green Room and I enjoyed it very much. And, um, in fact, you, I think maybe you had been pitched to me as a guest by Showtime right before the first season started. And I was like, "Eh, it's kind of weird to interview somebody about interviewing comedians. And then, and I was like, I don't really know. And then the second season, your manager actually sent me some episodes of the show because I don't get Showtime. And, um, I was like, oh, I actually really like this. Like I expected, kind of to think it was okay, but I—it's I, a weird thing, and it works very well on the show, uh, much better than I expected it to. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, at this point in my career, I still have to just send a reel. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. What it boils down to. So I was looking at. Um, uh, I, look, Paul. If you were, say, the sidekick on the Magic Johnson show, I could certainly <laughs> interview you about that. Oh, so you, clear, you clearly do not know the minutia of my uh, career um, but pin, pinballing. I, I mentioned on Twitter something, and somebody said, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, ask him about kids' court. And as a, I never had cable as a kid, um, or my family also didn't have cars. Uh, you remember, you may remember that as a 10-year-old, I was somebody offered to sell me crack, et cetera. Right. Um, but... My wife was like, kids court? Yeah. Like, this was like a direct line to her heart and soul. Here's the thing. that The people who were fans and who, like, she was the perfect age, I'm sure, at the time. Yeah. And it stuck with her. For some reason, whatever reason, all those people, really smart. Well, because they, they they learned an important lesson. That if you're going to make a courtroom show about children, you have to hire child actors to play the actual disputants because you can't have two children squaring off in an actual dispute. It would make people uncomfortable. That's actually not even the truth. Those were real kids. Really? Yes. Everybody, wow. every kid. Why did it say they were actors? I'm going to tell you what the thing about the audience, the, okay. the kids in the audience. 
Here's the only way that it was not uh, completely authentic is that they specifically went and got gifted kids. They okay. got really, really bright, mm-hmm. great. But the scores. kids, see, I watched it, and they the kids like had lines though. Oh, and the like the, the little wraparounds and like the intros were all staged and stuff like that. Yeah, but it wasn't. They were actual disputes between actual. I feel yeah, like there yeah, was yeah. a thing Dude, that said these aren't this? actual disputes no. between actual children. Didn't I tell you about this? They they kids wrote in their disputes and everything, and the the technical advisor on the show was Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> And he would read the cases, and he would he would lay them out to you know what's interesting about them, or like you know here's kind of he would look for the the simplest wow. ones, the ones that are most interesting, and he actually infused the show with these cases that he would promote to say this is a really good one to do because I could say this one is essentially a contraband case. This is actually a constitutional issue here. Wow. <laughs> so so you know he would lay out what's really compelling about this. That's why the show the thing about that weird little show and he is really that liked- kids and their parents used to watch it together because there was that kind of thing, that subtle little influence that Dershowitz had in making these these he, decisions. Nickelodeon he like, was kind of maybe even a little high-minded back then. It, it that's was, when it had Nick News with Linda Ellerby. It was a what happened with Kids Court was it, 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 after its first season, I think there were 36 or 38 shows mm-hmm. or something like that, was the juncture at which they decided were they going to go with that, that sort of a philosophy right. or are they going to be the slime network? Yeah, right. And they it went was slime. Literally, it was, the, the, it was at that slime juncture when they, when they decided to go slime is when they let the show go. Meanwhile, there had also been a... Uh, um, an FCC regulation passed about a certain amount of educational children's programming hmm. required for networks. And uh, so immediately ABC wanted to pick up the show immediately. They wanted to pick it up and Nickelodeon wouldn't let it go because they knew that it would be a hit and they didn't want to give somebody a hit to compete against their own network. when oh, they're funny. trying, trying to get uh, a footing. You know, so it went was, nowhere. you know, who was, I think ru- may have been running Nickelodeon at the time. Our friend, our, our friend, Mrs. Explodo. Oh, Mrs. Explode. Kurt Anderson's wife. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Anderson's wife was an executive. Was a longtime executive. Who, who is at, that? Um, her name is Anne. I, well, because the president at the time of... was Geraldine Laybourne. Oh, old Laybourne, huh? Fucking yeah. Laybourne. Dershowitz. So Dershowitz would pick the cases based on. He'd be like, "Oh, this one is sort of like." A racially charged celebrity yeah, murder could, case, yeah, for example. I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't only you know that kind of stuff, but he he had input in the way that the, like because the the show was about unfolding information. Like he uh-huh. sets it up in black and white terms at the top, and the kids go fair or unfair, and they make the decision, and then a little bit more information comes in, and the whole show was about pushing them. It's a dramatic gray. transformation. <laughs> a twelve <laughs> angry men type situation, which is why you needed a robot. <laughs> 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 uh, when something momentous happens to our listeners, we ask they give us a call at 206-984-4FUN to tell us about it for momentous occasions. Uh, our calls this week screened by our new intern, Colin. Mm. Welcome to the fold, Colin. Yeah, we will be judging very harshly. I might have to fire him. Well, there's only one way to find out. Hi, Jordan, Jesse, and amazing guests. Uh, I just had a momentous occasion that I think raises uh, a question you guys can debate for me. Uh, I was coming... How slow can you talk before Colin gets fired? <laughs> is that the question? No. This sounds good. I think this is sure. going somewhere good. I think this is Colin. You just yeah. like that he said you were amazing. Yeah, and I took it real personally. From my work, at a, uh, I actually work in podcasting, weirdly. 
But uh, no, coming from my no, see, now we know this is bullshit. The, the podcast in, industry. Yeah, <laughs> he works in the podcast mines. Work in West Hollywood and saw a fight, and it was a rare three-way fight, which those are hard to see. But it seemed to be not two on one, but one versus one versus one. <laughs> uh, one person was wielding what looked like mace or pepper spray, some sort of sprayable weapon. Um, I thought it was going to be medieval mace. Yeah. I don't know. He might have been at a red fair. It... <laughs> one person had a mace, one person had a longbow. And then one guy was dressed like Doctor Who for no reason. <laughs> a red fair, right? It was. And one had a pointy piece of wood that did not look sharpened. It looked like it was a splintered, maybe like a table leg. It, it would be perfect for what? killing a vampire, but it was very Was he testifying funny. at court when he was... That. And the third person was unarmed, but then pulled out something that was either a gun or a taser. I think it was a taser. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want to find out, so I quickly sped away in my car. But I would like your guys' opinion on who would have won this momentous fight occasion uh, with those three weapons. Superman. Uh, yeah, Superman. <laughs> I got to go Batman on this one, you guys. Go Batman? Well, no, Doctor Who. Yeah, Doctor Who wins. Depends on that, I mean, ta- yeah, I depends guess on that taser gun dilemma. Yeah. Doc- I don't know. Even if it's a taser, doesn't taser beat pepper spray and sharpen stick? I guess unless the two guys are vampires, sharpen stick is fucking weak. It's possible that the three of them were, uh, that the guy with the stick was Filipino, though. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the Filipino stick fighting. It's sort of like a cross between a fight and a dance. It's very impressive, and I presume quite deadly. And uh, sharp sticks were a turning uh, turning point in the Vietnam War. Oh, no. this with, is uh, also possible. Well, I'm saying, I think I heard the detail that he's in West Hollywood. This is probably just some sort of gay bondage foreplay. <laughs> It's it's two it's two gay men. How man. do you follow that? <laughs> I'm, I'm just assuming. <laughs> Seen some weird shit living in West Hollywood, man. <laughs> it's two gay men fighting an old Russian Jewish lady. Sure. Uh, so what do we have? We have a sharp stick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Either a gun and a ta- or a taser. I w- let's go taser because if and it's a gun, I think spray? we know who's going to win. Right. The gun industry. Mm, right. This mm-hmm. is a. This is Merchants sort of like. Of this is sort of like if you believe in string theory. This is sort <laughs> of like the alternate universe rock paper scissors. Oh uh-huh. yeah. If you believe in string theory. At which point do we reach the singularity? <laughs> when the piece of wood gets as sharp as the taser. <laughs> when the gun fires. You can if you a shoot a sharp stick ta- <laughs> into a can of maize. <laughs> <laughs> Is a taser the thing where it shoots out little like you see that stickers? What kind of taser oh, is it? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, get, yeah. Is it the long distance taser? Or is it just you or have the to close up them with the taser? Yeah. Oh jeez. I, I think, think this, this is, is be unresolved. This is even, unknowable. I think this would be a good cone. A Zen cone. This would be. Something for Gary Shandling to work on. <laughs> It'd also be a good episode of Mythbusters. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it could be a good or, episode. Hey, or Kids Court. Or Kids Court. An especially Fair violent. <laughs> the robot will have something to say about this. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Jesse. I'm calling with a momentous occasion. I went to a bachelorette party in Las Vegas this weekend, and we ended up in an all-nude male strip club. And one of the strippers came up and said, hey, this guy that's on next, 
You don't want to miss this. He's really good. <laughs> that guy. I mean, he's a real male stripper's male stripper. Right. <laughs> yeah. This guy invented the cop. <laughs> it's it's the ass, it's the ass he's not shaking. <laughs> Fuck the pineapple. What? Wait, Fuck the pineapple. Wait, wait back I'm going back. You don't want to miss this. He's really good. That guy. Fuck the pineapple. Ah! He fucked a pineapple that was filled with whipped cream. And the whole time, the MC just kept saying, He's fucking a pineapple! He's fucking a pineapple! So I saw that. And also, there were three lesbians with us, who I'm pretty sure are traumatized now. <laughs> um, love you guys. Bye. Wow, we love you too! Yeah. I just the only I, I just hope they weren't Hawaiian lesbians. Yeah, because that is the <laughs> that's, that's a national staple. Much. That's yeah, a yeah part of their economy. Um, I think the whipped cream's gilding the lily myself. Hi, Jordan, Jesse, go. This is Gabby from um, from New York City. I'm in Boston right now, but I'm. Technically from New York City. But um, I just experienced... You know what? Get your fucking story straight, Gabby. Yeah, before you call in. Yeah, already I'm not buying it. Um, I was on the train when I was home. So that was a few days ago. Um, and there was this guy on the bus. And he was like... He was really like a metal dude. Like ponytail. These, the black shirt, black pants. Like a black sweatshirt and he was really grungy and greasy and he had like a big necklace on or whatever and he had these big head like scary headphones and he, <laughs> through his headphones you could hear that he was listening to TLC's Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls <laughs> um, so that was pretty awesome thanks bye <laughs> I mean if you're gonna listen to a TLC song I mean that's definitely that is the, the most metal one <laughs> it's the highlight of their catalog I yeah. would argue Got organized noise on production on that one. It's a, it's you guys don't have a, any thoughts about organized no, noise? I'm just saying that it's I, just I kind of that, has a, that just kind of sounds right. Yeah. I, don't think I, I have no comment about that experience. Nope, good. Yeah. I think it just all fits together nicely. You know, I think something that we learn sometimes when we're doing <laughs> mm-hmm. momentous occasions sure. is that the world, when you think you've got it figured out, it when you think you've got it figured out. Sure. It's always ready to show you a new wonder. Are you talking about that the metal exactly... guy or the pineapple fucking? <laughs> I'm still on pineapple yeah, fucking. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking a pineapple. Man, I gotta go to one of these male strip clubs. I like the idea that in the male strip club, I mean, I've I, I've been to a, a strip club where a lady's getting naked, and the the DJ's job is to uh, is to introduce the stripper. To and, rile up the crowd. And mm-hmm. to exhort them to throw money at her. Right. That's the two things. You know, remember, right. she needs... If you to... like the scenery, show her some greenery. Come on, gentlemen. Yeah. Show a little love, gentlemen. <laughs> I like that one of the differences between an all-male and all-female strip club is that in the male strip club, the strip the uh, DJ is actually narrating what's going on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, yeah, he's taking off his shirt. The shirt is off. <laughs> Here comes his wang, ladies. That's a wang. Oh, jeez. 
Here he's he, in the bone zone. He's, he's fucking t- a pineapple. He's taking out his machete. <laughs> <laughs> and whacking through the underbrush. The Hawaiian underbrush. <laughs> the pineapple is cored. What other fruits do you think he passed up on the way to pineapple? This is the, this is the one. Let's go it, with pineapple. It seems like the most potential for chafing on the pineapple. That's the, like, I it think seems like a, a nice honeydew. Of, I do think there's a degree of difficulty with pineapple. Yeah, you just show it off. I guess the whole thing is showing off, but like I'm just like I don't know. It seems kind of sh- shitty. Like oh well, great, you can fuck a pineapple. Congratulations. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm here on my imaginary internet. And oh, I, I, and I just noted. I just did a little research on this, and it turns out it was Carrot Top. <laughs> it's his show. Yeah, yeah. That's what he does in Vegas. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's why I mean, he's the highest paid comedian in the world. That's the late night show. God bless mm. him. Right? Yeah. After ten. God bless him. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. <laughs> Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morse, boy detective. Paul Provenza, bad idea. Um, listen, we had this, we had this call last week. Um, someone called and said they were in, uh, they were in an, a, a town where they never expected they would find another Jordan Jesse Go fan until they were found themselves driving behind a car with a Jordan Jesse Go bumper sticker, and they needed to figure out quickly some kind of signal to signal to the other person that they were simpatico ah. so they could pull over and become friends, like exchange email addresses or something, and threw that out to us. Now, uh, we'll get to the signals in just a second, but first I wanted to play this call. Hi, this is Jake from Middle Tennessee with a Black Mercury Milan. Uh, last week with Rob Hubel, someone called in to report my car having a Max Fun bumper sticker. <laughs> I want to meet you. Let's be friends. I am uh, Zucklepop on the forums. Jesse, can you help me out here? Thanks. Love you guys. Bye. Yes, I'm making it happen. Wow, you, guys, he, you guys are like reuniting loved ones. This guy posted on the forums and said, oh my God, that's me. I'm the guy with the Black Mercury Milan. I mean, you got to admit that there are probably not that many Mercury Milans still out there on the road. <laughs> not a car known for its high quality and durability. And but also, there were that many Jordan Jesse Go fans yeah. out there. <laughs> Both so unlikely. Really. <laughs> Both very unlikely. So he's Zicklepop on the forum. But if you go to our Rob, the Rob Hubel episode, dear guy who called in last week, go to the Rob Hubel episode uh, on the forum. And you will find his post in there if you forget. And you can send him a message on the forum. And then you guys go on a date, a friendship date, and uh, give us a call and let us know how it goes. That's your assignment. Bring either a sharp stick. Yeah. (laughs) Or a pineapple. (laughs) A pineapple. (laughs) Um, We got some suggestions for Signal. We we actually, um, I was reminded, uh, I was reminded that we did suggest that we could have like a saying that you could say to someone mm-hmm, sure. that was in the mold of are you a friend of dorothy the kind of classic 60s and 70s thing that you would say to uh, someone that you thought was gay like you were just to double check that you were that or, they were cool or like a are you a friend of bill w yes exactly yeah. which is what's, uh, what's that a that's if to? you're in aa mm. yeah um or um sort of like fellow traveler yeah from the uh exactly 50s. Yeah. um in, in this case uh in this case it was uh aren't you a friend of chip dipson's oh yeah um chip dipson is a name that we think is funny 
and we would like to see inserted into more television programs and other fiction, works of fiction. Yeah, I got to write this down. Uh, along Chip with my, Dipson. Along with my tonks.org. Yep. And Dip Dobson. Chip Dipson. Well, what was the other one? Dip Dobson. Dip Dobson. <laughs> They're friends. <laughs> They're best friends. Chip Dipson and Dip Dobson? Yeah. yeah. See? They have it's already... Funny. They've already appeared in an X-Men comic book, so we're doing pretty good getting them out there. And our friend Rob Corddry has insisted that he's going to put them in his television show, Children's Hospital. So I've got high hopes for Chip and Dip, but we have that. But we wanted some kind of hand signal to go with that. Um, we have... I think... I, how about this? Yeah? Dip in a chip. Oh, yeah. Making kind of a <laughs> scooping... So you're a scoop, kind of and a then you're chomping. Chip and Dip. Scoop. Chip and dip. I'm taking, are you afraid you're taking it another level of Chip code Dipson. away? You, there's a certain extent to which you want something that will make <laughs> you look not too weird to someone who doesn't like Jordan Jesse Go. Philistine. Mm. So, okay, sorry. Hey, <laughs> let's hear, we have a few. I haven't actually read these, but I think um, uh, I, I think we've got a few suggestions that we got via email at jjgo at maximumfun.org. Michael suggested. Uh, here's my idea for our gang signal: a fully extended middle penis. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Um, here's one from John. Uh, I think the gang sign to other members should be this: act like you're jerking off. <laughs> is this going to be all of them? This is just going to be all of them. It, you know, it's, it's, and I should know at this point, but it's, it always is a little surprising to me. I don't want to say a. Offensive, but I'm I'm taken aback every time somebody points out how much jerk off humor we do. <laughs> My we, friend, you reap what you sow. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's that, and when what's, you're spilling your seed, yeah. <laughs> what's Amazon for pineapple? Uh, was what is what? American Sign Language. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you said that as though I should know what Amazon is. Uh, you knew what Amazon was. Right? I didn't. Uh-uh. No, you're weird. But it would be good. <laughs> Act like you're jerking off. Move your hand up and down in that wonderful motion, the jerk-off motion. <sighs> and then show the climax by throwing your <laughs> palm forward in a splat-type motion. That's like, hey, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. Too. Yeah, that could also quite, be. Yeah. Or I jack off to Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably some of our listeners do. Okay, here we go. Uh, we got a call on this here. Hi, Jordan, Jesse. This is Taryn. It's about one in the morning, and I came up with an answer for recent action item. What should JJ Go fans say to each other when they meet in the street? The answer comes from a Mr. Show episode, Oh, You Men. The sketch is the Sid and Marty Cross Strokachusett, where one character says, Hello, Jonesy. Why do you hate me? And Jonesy replies, Why do you hate me? Oh, you are welcome. Bye-bye. No, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> it's about that, a show that's not ours. Yeah, that's not our show. That's for yeah. Mr. Show. Now, granted, have we had guests on this program who appeared on that television sure. program? Yes. Have we had the but guest you... on that said that titular line? Oh, God. But that's... have you had any Sid and Marty Croft characters on? No, we have not had Sigmund or the Sea Monster. I did have one of Sid and Marty Croft on The Sound of Young America once. You had Sid and or Marty Croft? <laughs> yeah, I think one of them's no longer in the business and or dead. <laughs> That's sort of like a taser and or gun. <laughs> um, Heather just suggests jazz hands. 
Yeah, it's maybe for nah, fans it of needs Bring to be It On. Something original. <laughs> I am kind of a fan of Bring It On. Oh, yeah, I but, know. yeah, but you could be easily mistaken for a fan of Glee if you. No, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, Who wouldn't want to be mistaken new. for a fan of? I'm fine with being mistaken for a fan of Bring It On, a movie that I actually did watch in the theater and sure. kind of enjoy. Bring It On's funny. Remember that part with Ian Roberts and Bring It On? That's where amazing. He, that's, that's like, if you have not seen Bring It On, you don't really need to watch the movie. Is that the cheerleading one? Yeah, it's a cheerleading yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. One, yeah. And it's really, if you do, if a circumstance comes up where you have to watch it, you will be surprised. <laughs> you will be surprised at how indecent and enjo- how decent and enjoyable it is. Like it's actually kind of a fun movie. Also, like, Elijah Dushku at the top of her foxiness. In yeah, that. absolutely. If you um, like, if you're a, a young, fresh Dushku, yeah, this is back. This nice. is back when her name was Anamata Poetic. Right. <laughs> you like a a taut, tight Dushku. <laughs> You're going to want to watch Bring It On. But if... And if certain you, episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If, no matter how you feel about the douche... <laughs> as taut and tight as she may be. What about the coup? You should... The Who's the coup? You, the, the coup part of the douche. Oh, okay. Um, well, you should... I hate it when they break up. Go, I know. Go on to YouTube and Google Ian Roberts' Bring It On. There, Ian Roberts has one key scene in Bring It On. It is essentially... Like a like a two and a half or three minute monologue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays a dance coach who's brought in essentially as a ringer uh, to teach the white girls to beat the blacks. Right. It is a race war film. You should also sure. know that. <laughs> it's like a race and, war. and a class war. It's a yeah, race war, sure. class war. It's all it's out. Loaded. It's all out helter skelter. Loaded. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Ian Roberts scene is Ian Roberts scene is one of the funniest scenes in a movie. I mean, it's you know, just those, hilarious. Those, the, Purposely. The, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. It's great. No, he is great in it. It's it's funny those that that segment of movies, those kind of uh, uh, late nineties, kind of mid to late nineties teen movies, yeah. all had they all had one like legitimate comedian giving a great performance. I would also like to call out uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Larry Miller is really, really funny in that. <laughs> Larry Miller, very funny in everything he does. Yes, basically. Uh, you're right. Um, uh, sort of, you're talking about along the lines of like Sam Kinison and Back to School? Yeah, it yeah, is a, yeah, it's yeah. A, something like that. The Ten Things I Hate About You was my high school girlfriend's favorite movie. I bought her a VHS tape of it, and we watched it. Excellent. More times, more times than I than I care to uh, to mention. But I always remember thinking like, "Oh shit, Larry Miller's hilarious in this." So. You know what I like about? I, I want to say something about Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I think <laughs> there are two things that are underappreciated about Curb Your Enthusiasm. One is that it's it, it, it is Larry David's the emotional significance of Larry David's vocal support for the bald and balding. I think that is a really important and <laughs> central part of Kirby. It's a very brave position to take. No one else takes it. You had to get, you had to get to like season eight before you could go that far. And I know I really, I personally really appreciate it. The other is that it is such a wonderful venue for 56 year old comedians to show you, to remind you why they are brilliant comedians like a Larry Miller, like a Super Dave Osborne, yeah. uh, aka Bob Einstein. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched. Uh, there's a Richard there's an, Lewis. Yeah, I you mean, know, get there's a chance an, to really strut him, strut his stuff. There's an episode uh, in the latest season that just has a very brief appearance by Michael McKean, mm. and Michael McKean is someone who, at this point, I had gotten to the point where I wondered if 
I knew that there was a reason that people thought he was funny, but I couldn't remember what it was because it had just been so long that I'd been exposed to some really solid Michael McKean action. And he just has one or two scenes in this one episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he is so fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's really great. I mean, he is just perfect, just brilliantly hilarious. I want to take issue here with this. Yeah. Hasn't he come across in every Chris Guest movie? Hasn't he delivered the goods for you? Oh, you know, I... I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I really... I have found... As much as I admire Christopher Guest, I have found diminishing returns on every Christopher Guest movie since Waiting for Guffman. Really? You didn't think, I did uh, not for even... For your consideration? I, I didn't, see I, didn't see for your consideration because everyone I know said that it just made them sad because uh, it yeah, was so I, not funny. I did see it, and I can say that I think that, whereas I do think there are very good performances in that movie, Michael McKean and Catherine O'Hara specifically, I think it's not that funny. I just feel like they didn't write jokes for it. And I know they don't really write anything for those, but no one, I felt like no one, they didn't think of enough jokes. Yeah, I mean, even in Best in Show, which I think a lot of people like a lot more than I did. Although, you know what, I I maybe haven't, didn't, I was among those who think that, oh, I didn't love Best in Show either. I rewatched it recently and got a ton of enjoyment. Oh, well, maybe I, yeah, I, I will. I, I, I think mean, you should revisit for your consideration. I think that's okay. a better movie than you guys. I actually think it's one of his best. Okay. And, and, and I say I, this, I and I like say this. I like that to be true. I say this. Even though I should be bitter about it, because another little piece of showbiz trivia. Oh, yeah. Myself and You and Dana, Magic Johnson were supposed to be in it together. Myself and Dana Gould were cut out. Oh. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. We did a scene together uh, where we... we uh, that's a long story, but but we were both... Uh, that scene was cut out, but we knew it at the time. It that's, was like, we were like, you know, if this goes long, it's the first scene to go. And Dana's like, absolutely. This, this scene has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> uh, I think... Is that, it on the DVD? Uh, it, I don't know if it I is. watched it on Netflix, so yeah, I would like to see that on DVD. Anyway, I would say that it, at least I the last one I watched was A Mighty Wind, and I will say that I, that was a little soft. I find Fred Willard. I I thought Fred Willard was. I think we can all agree, brilliantly hilarious in A Mighty Wind, a movie that overall was not funny, not insultingly not funny, not not funny in. But it's it's as though they didn't see, f- feel it was necessary see, to insert funny stuff into you're it. You're saying not funny. Does my does my description of it sort of feel more comfortable for you? I just say it's soft. Yeah, soft. <laughs> sure. No, sure, sure. I mean, because it's not. It's, it's not a. Like, everyone know. in it is brilliant. Yeah. And B, no one in it is making jokes that you're like, that's not funny. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's as though they forgot they like they forgot that the the jokes were supposed to be part of it. Yeah, I don't except know. for Fred Willard, who well, I feel like exists in his own magical world. He does. Like the he, thing he about Fred does. Willard is that Fred Willard, he might as well not even be in the movie in his scenes. It's just as though they just pointed a camera and said, "Do some Fred Willard stuff," but and he's yeah. like, "Ah, okay." With all three of those, uh, I mean, like he played, he was like a central character in Guffman. But I feel like the other three Christopher Guest movies, he is just like he's the announcer at the dog show. <laughs> he's some weird agent, and then he's just the Entertainment Tonight host. Like right, he is, right. they did put him in the weird vortex just to look at the camera and say the world's funniest. But things. what it reminds me is, is that even though there, I mean, there are people in those movies like Catherine O'Hara. Like I don't think there, I think there are few funnier people in the world than I Catherine O'Hara. I think she may be the funniest woman in... And she's just in, a uh, fucking movies. genius. Just yeah, a fucking genius. But, unbelievable. But Fred Willard is the person that every time... Like, I would watch... I Wasn't Fred Willard on, like, that 70s show or some weird thing? Like, sure. I would watch him on that. 
Oh yeah, and I just because he's he, in just he, he's just Fred Willard. In. Fred Willard shows up. It and, doesn't matter what the context Fred is. Fred Willard is like bell peppers. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever he shows up, it's going to taste like Fred Willard. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And I'm Paul Prevenza, pineapple sexual assault consultant. <laughs> consultant. You couldn't think of the word counselor. Uh, I couldn't think well, of the word counselor. I like, I like, cons- better. I like consultant because consultant is the person who looks at the act. I'm the guy who stages And then it. says, <laughs> you look at the act and you say, I don't know. I think the whipped cream's a bit rococo. <laughs> I think the, mm-hmm. the whipped cream's a bit much. Um, hey, how about a tweet of the week from at Normzy, who says he's convincing the wife we need to go to Sweet Action Ice Cream while we're in Denver. I wanted to go since I heard about it on JJ Go, and now I'm in town. That one is not funny, but I like the fact that it gave a shout-out to our ice cream friends in Denver. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of podcasts have ice cream friends. What's the name of your ice cream? Sweet Action. The, uh, well, no, the no, ice cream the, that they made for us yeah. was uh, was a Dr. Pepper ice cream uh, because they know that as in high school, I founded a Dr. Pepper club um, <laughs> okay. because I love Dr. Pepper so much. Uh, but they're, except if you're in Denver and you're not going to that sweet action ice cream, you're a real dick. Go so, there and tell them that you heard about it on Jordan Jesse Go. I bet you they'll give you an extra scoop for free or something. That's not verified, by no, the way. Not a guarantee. Not an actual. Anyway. At Normsy, uh, send an email to our intern at intern at maximumfun.org with your uh, T-shirt size and your address, and we will send a T-shirt out to you. Everybody else, be sure to tweet with the hashtag JJGo about the program so we can prove that our fans are more enthusiastic than my brother, my brother, and me fans, which they're not. <laughs> we've lost that battle so badly at some point we're actually gonna i think jordan i think that even though we like pulled even during the brief week of our twitter friendship war yeah i think that we are gonna have to listen to a segment of my brother my brother and me and talk about what we learned from it it's fine at some point that was the that was the bet our our maximumfun.org brethren my brother my brother and me had a lot of people tweeting with their hashtag mbmbam and or well, that's not fair and so we, we thought we could take them, and we were right up there with them, uh, but I think they beat us in the end. And the bet was whoever lost had to listen to a segment of the other one's show on their show and then talk about what they learned. Uh, so you have to do that. It's yeah, I think up. we're going to have to do that. Yeah, maybe we'll do that next time on the show. Anyway, why Paul... Don't you, uh, why don't you MST it? Oh, yeah. Did you make fun of it? How bad they suck? Yeah. How bad their props well, the, are? Well, the point is that we're we'll supposed the, to... Why don't you do the JJ Go commentary track? Oh. We're supposed to be, it's supposed to be, humi- it was supposed to humiliate us. You're going to take that lion down? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Paul Provenza, thank you so much for joining us on Thanks the program for having this me. week. Yeah, it's fun, you guys. Paul is the, uh, the host of The Green Room on Showtime, which just finished its second season, but I'm sure those, those programs are rerunning indefinitely I on the Showtime they will network. rerun for a while. You yeah. can catch those on Showtime Green Room if you have DirecTV. That's the. Showtime subchannel dedicated specifically to the show The Green Room, 
with Paul Provenza. Um, also, a Facebook fan page. Paul has a Facebook fan page. And yeah. Paul's book, Satiristas, has a Facebook fan page. Yes. Satire with an Eastus at the end. <laughs> um, you should go and friend or... What is that called? Fan? Like I don't it? know. They changed it today, didn't they? What's it called now? Did they change it today? They changed it. I'm not on it. Now it's like, it's it's listened to, it's read, <laughs> it's shoved up my nose. Anyway, you got, got, a, got all kinds of options. Uh, don't really like it, but have nothing against it. I'm not sure, sure what not they for me. worked out. Yeah. You you can check out all, all of these things on Facebook by searching for Paul Provenza, probably. Yeah, well... How about that? Or at your local Barnes & Nobles, where you can uh, find uh, Paul's books at a recess. Actually, ours you can find at Borders. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just go, just break into the closed-down Borders. There will be a box <laughs> of them I in the back. I think there's just stacks of them in the alley. Yeah. <laughs> Our email address, jjgo at maximumfun.org. You can talk about the show at forum.maximumfun.org. Give us a call, 206 984 for oh, fun, two zero six nine eight four four F U N. Yes, sir. My, uh, I just a couple of things before we go in the yeah, plug what? department. I'm sorry. Uh, Asking what my favorite movies are. Um, uh, Jesse, uh, I made a video with a buddy of mine. You do the voiceover for it. It's true. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, it is a video game related joke video. Uh, I would like to encourage people to go watch it. That's on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Jordan Morris. What's it called? Uh, it's called uh, Game Wave Commercial. And then in parentheses, it's parody. I have a hard time naming things on the internet. <laughs> um, and probably not the best name, but uh, but yeah, it's up there on my YouTube page. It's it's uh, it's, it's brief and funny, and uh, Jesse is in it. As you am can I. you can also see it uh, you can also see it on our blog at maximumfun.org, right there on the front page. You might have to scroll down a little bit depending on when you listen to this. But it really is uh, it is very very hilarious. My role in the I can say that because my role in the hilarity is very small. Did you play the record executive? Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, I know I'm the voiceover guy, so I'm just the straight man. But um, uh, it's very, very funny. Uh, you'll want to find it at MaximumFun.org. Is there something else you want to plug? Yes, Jordan? there is. Uh, I'm actually, if you live in the L.A. or Southern California area, I am teaching a crash course in stand-up comedy in October. Uh, it's like a month-long thing. There's a performance at the end. Wait, you're teaching it? I'm teaching it. You're a veteran stand-up comedian. Uh, sketch comedian. I'm sorry. Did, oh, what did I say? You stand-up, said stand-up comedy? comedy. Oh fuck! No, I, like, I should. You I did, am which not is, qualified. Which is why I've been speechless. Yes. <laughs> You're like, really? <laughs> Don't take this asshole's class. Sketch comedy. Excuse yeah, look, me. Look, I've done literally dozens of stand-up shows over the past eight years. <laughs> right. I've done it once or twice as, as a goof. As many as two dozen stand-up right. shows in my life. Which no, makes no. you as qualified as anybody else teaching stand-up yeah. comedy. Um, but no, it's a class in sketch comedy, which I am only slightly more qualified to teach a class <laughs> in. Um, yeah, and, it is, and the, uh, it's, it's reasonable. I think it's 40 bucks for the month. You get a performance at the end. And uh, the money goes to, uh, goes to high schools who have had their arts funding cut. Oh, so, wow. Uh, Where yeah. are you teaching this class? Um, it's in North Hollywood. Oh, He's actually the principal of the school. I am the principal. Uh, I will be issuing demerits. Um, the uh, URL is a little bit long, so maybe I'll ask people to go to the forums to the sure. um, to the uh, to the uh, episode in this forums, and I will put up a link to the sketch comedy class. Uh, first, Why do I feel like anybody who's listening to this probably has the time for you to spell that Earl? They probably do. I wish I could think of it off the top of my head, actually. Well, we are in a minute 174 <laughs> of this week's the program. Barn it's 11.79 um, p.m. right now. A very special Jordan Jesse Go uh, yeah. from Hawaii. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's every, uh, every Tuesday night uh, in October. 
Uh, and it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> if you didn't know that it, this whole episode was set in Hawaii, you should have been clued off by the pineapple fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, you know... And it's, the poi. It's, it's uh, when, in, when in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Our theme music, Love You by The Free Design, courtesy of The Free Design and Light in the Attic Records. Uh, if you want to sponsor an episode of Jordan Jesse Go, hit us up at Teresa at MaximumFun.org. We'll be back next week on this very program. Jordan Jesse Go. Goodbye.